Welcome to We're Talking. We have an opinion about everything, and it means absolutely nothing. Now, here are your hosts, the rocket surgeon and the brain scientist, but we're not sure who's who. Craig Malasa and Josh Jacno, they're talking. Welcome to We're Talking, the show that talks just about everything, but we love our bourbon, our baseball, and our brothers. Back with us is my co-host, Josh Jagno. Welcome back, Josh. Hey, Craig. Happy to be back, man. Appreciate it. Good deal. Today, we have a very special guest. Yes, even more special guest than Jay Walker. We, we have with us today Colin Lacey from the Georgia Sports Network. How are you doing today, Colin? Good, Craig. I don't know that I'm more special than Jay Walker, but I'll take it. Well, Jay is special in a different way is what we'll say right now. We won't go too much into that. But as you've seen, we've had some fun with Jay over the years and, and Danny as well. They tend to love their bourbon and their baseball. And uh, I'm not sure what the other B would be right there right now, but they're, they're good, good guys. I know it doesn't start with a B, but I think early naps are what they, uh, what they go for. We will have to find out uh, a, a description for naps uh, or a synonym would probably be a better word. I'm not the mastery of the English language. I am the destructor of the English language. Just call me Thor of the English world. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure where we're going right now, but we're having some fun. <laughs> so, Colin, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself with our listeners that haven't, that don't know you. So, I'm part of the baseball broadcast for the Georgia Southern Sports Network. We cover Georgia Southern football, men's and women's basketball, and baseball. Um, I've been here since 2012. I started here as a freshman when I first got here. Both of my parents went to Georgia Southern for school, had an aunt, had a cousin that went here for school. We were trying to get some kind of family discount. It didn't really work out that way. But once uh, I got here, got plugged in with Chris Blair, who's now over at LSU. He was the voice of the Eagles at the time. Got plugged in with him, and everybody says I came and helped him set up the booth the first day, and I just never left. And so been here for nine going on 10 years now. And so it's been a lot of fun getting to see what all uh, kind of happens in the college, college world and especially college baseball. One thing that uh, I know last year that you were talking about doing some minor league baseball and that unfortunately minor league baseball never happened last year, but last night was the kickoff of the minor league season. And uh, I know you probably weren't watching, uh, but there were two raging Cajuns that had had pretty good nights. I think, uh, uh, Cantrell was two for four on the night or two for three on the night with a walk and uh, Todd Lott was two for four. Uh, Cantrell picked up two doubles. I believe Todd had one double, but uh, any, any, anything that you plan on doing this summer with minor league baseball somewhere I can go hang out with you and watch some baseball this summer. Hey, I'm always down to go for a minor league tour. It was funny. You're talking about former Cajuns in professional baseball. Last night, Seth Schumann made his high A debut with the Lansing Lugnuts, and it went really well for him. Went four innings, seven strikeouts, a shutout baseball. But he actually went up against Hunter Gaddis of Georgia State. The last start that they had was against each other, and so they got to see each other again. He was with Lake County with Gaddis. But Schumann got the best of him last night as, a, as it happened a couple of times in, in their career. You know, it's funny you brought that game up because that was another game I was following on the uh, computer because uh, uh, Colton Schmidt, former pitcher for the Cajuns, former Sunbelt Pitcher of the Year, is also with the Lugnuts. So, and I believe that is a the Colorado Rockies team, if I'm if I'm correct. Um, 
Lugnuts, I think, is Oakland. Yeah, Oakland Athletics, the high A. I'm sorry. Then it's not. Uh, okay, that's right. Uh, but I was following that game. Hogan Harris is supposed to be going to the Lugnuts, uh, but I did not see him on the roster last night uh, in, in uh, on the bench. So, uh, but that's where he shows on milb.com. That's right. It is Oakland. Uh, I I had five games up last night following and then watching the Reds totally stink up Major League Baseball last night, letting some young pitcher go five or six innings of no-hit ball, and that wasn't even the worst of it. They're, the team Cease, um, I know I'm Cease, is, uh, was the pitcher for the White Sox. He goes five or six innings of no-hit ball, not only goes no-hit ball, but get, picks up three hits against my Reds, scores two runs, and I think one of the hits was a double and just barely missed a home run. So not a good night for baseball, except for our, my Cajuns and both of their teams won. So good, good to see your guy from Georgia Southern uh, pitch. Well, though, that, that was fun to kind of watch that pitching duel there. I think it was a close game. If I remember correctly, I don't know how it ended up. Yeah, I think it was two, nothing, three, nothing, something like that. All the games I watched last night, I think were two to one or uh, three to two. So uh, except for the Reds, who got blown out eight to nothing, but we're not going to go there right now. At least we beat the Cubs, but Josh is not going to talk about that right now. So, so I'm supposed to be. I'm coming out. I'm coming off of the shelf. I've been on the the 15 day DL. You're going to hit me with this Cub stuff. It's brutal. Really unfair. Well, you know, I mean, if you're going to play with the big boys, you got to be able to learn to take a hit. So, well, uh, if the Cubs can learn to hit, that'd be great. <laughs> Nice. All right. So let's talk Sunbelt baseball. That's why we had you on here. We're going to have some fun. Uh, Let's talk about the East. What are you seeing in the East? I know your Georgia Southern team is a half game behind or so from, uh, from South Alabama, but in my opinion, uh, I I don't know. I did not get to see the game Friday night. Actually, I did not see any baseball this weekend because I was at a wedding, but uh, you're, it looks like you're a full game behind. South Alabama, but you were able to take two out of three, the Saturday and Sunday game, or did you, I'm not sure if you ended up playing a double header, maybe I think on Sunday or Saturday. No, it was, the weather ended up holding off until we were able to get one each one each day, but the game on Friday, it was something that Danny and I talked about on the broadcast, how the first five innings were just haymaker after haymaker from either side, kind of what you expected when the top two teams in the Eastern division go at it. And then in the sixth inning, South Alabama had the finishing blow with six runs in the sixth inning, and that was kind of what wrote the book on that one. But it was cool to see in the dugout afterwards how Georgia Southern wasn't necessarily flustered with the way that South Alabama was able to come out and get that victory. It was kind of a calming, almost an eerie calming feel in the dugout after the game and then taking care of business both Saturday and Sunday. So on on Saturday, what how did they hit the – hit against y'all because I'm against the Cajuns and what they've done in the past. I mean, they're, they're, they've got one of the, if not the lowest batting average in the league, one of the lowest uh, team batting averages and, and, but, but they're able to get timely hitting. Was that the same thing y'all saw or were they able to hit the ball against you? How, how did that, how did that play out? The good thing this past weekend, Georgia Southern did a decent job of keeping them off in the leadoff spot so you weren't able to get them on schedule with what they want to do with small ball, bunting them over, hit and run, stuff like that. 
And that's what really led to the success for Georgia Southern Saturday and Sunday was keeping them off schedule. And I know it's one of the lowest team batting averages, but I don't understand how that lineup that South Alabama has is only hitting 230 because they've got guy after guy after guy in that lineup. And so being able to hold them to just two runs on Saturday and then six on Sunday, but getting the one-run victory, they scored one in the ninth after Georgia Southern had a two-run lead going to the ninth inning. And Nick Jones finishes off for his 13th save. But being able to keep that lineup, quote-unquote, at bay the final two days was something pretty impressive for Georgia Southern. You know, South Alabama is one of those teams, in my opinion, uh, if they finally do start hitting the ball and start scoring runs, could be very, very dangerous in the uh, NCAA tournament because they also have the pitching. Uh, I think uh, before – I think they've got a little bit of advantage here, but before we go on from there, just um, a quick question. Do you, do you guys play on grass or turf? I know I'm, when we were there the first time three or four years ago, I think it was grass, but uh, it, the, the grass was eaten up on the infill, but I think you replaced all the infield grass, but it wasn't with turf, correct? Right. So our entire playing surface is natural. We have foul turf. So the foul territory all the way up to the, dirt circle and up the dirt line and then when you go into the outfield just about a foot into foul territory it's all turf but outside of that it's all natural and what you actually play on well we'll get into it a little bit later maybe in segment two or segment three but i think that gives uh, yourself and uh south Al alabama a distinct advantage when it comes to playing in the tournament because it will be on natural grass since it's a minor league ballpark but we'll get on that a little bit later i just want to uh, while I had my thought process there, it wasn't in my notes. And I didn't want to start banging on a keyboard while we were talking and distract everyone. Uh, Josh, go ahead and jump in if you're ready to, for for anything. Yeah, I mean, I've got a ton of questions about the East. Obviously, we're in the West, and we kind of get insulated on this side of the uh, of the league. So um, before we get into the East, though, Colin, if you've had any uh, real opportunity to watch the Cajuns play, you know, we have our opinions, and uh, you know, I, I don't often get the opportunity to ask somebody from another program, uh, what, uh, what, what overall impressions do you have about our squad this year if, you've, if you had the opportunity to see us play? I haven't gotten to see a whole lot, but whenever we're on the road coming back from games, we're always turning on Jay and Top. And so being able to kind of hear what the Cajuns have been able to do, and it really seems like it has really started with Spencer Arrighetti and the success that he's had, especially early on in the season. But I think Jay talked about it on Monday with you guys about how when you get into tournament play, when you get Arrighetti and Cook, that pretty much gets you out of that pool play. And you feel like going up against anybody with those two is what gives you what you can do. The biggest thing I think is the question mark is the offense and being able, being able to do it a little bit more consistently. But you always know what the Cajun team is going to be all about. It's all going to be based on the history, based on the tradition of what the Raging Cajuns have done and being able to pull that each and every year. And you always know you're in for a dogfight when you go up against the Cajuns. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I agree that the team sets up well for the tournament. Uh, it's just, damn, if we could just get there, my God, it's just a struggle. It's like we're stuck in mud right now. But I think the guys, look, I know that the guys know that they're better than this. So I'm not too worried. I'm not too concerned. I'm mostly concerned about – them keeping their their competitive edge and their confidence getting to Montgomery. That's my biggest concern. But uh, going over to the east side, you know, you guys have a couple of interesting teams. Uh, 
Georgia State, that Georgia State, that series really stands out to me. There was a lot of talk about the Friday game where you guys just blew their doors off uh, and then came back in two really close competitive games on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I'd love for you to talk about what the team went through that weekend. Uh, obviously, the team's ranked, uh, you know, Georgia State's ranked last in the on, on the east side. And obviously, that's a little bit of a shocker for those of us that don't really have a ton of insight into, into those that, that series and those two programs baseball wise. But uh, really curious about what happened there. You know, Friday night, it was, like you mentioned, 23-1, to 1, Georgia Southern got the win, and it started early, and it never really stopped. Georgia Southern knocked their starter, Ryan Watson, who was their Friday guy at the time, knocked him out after two innings, and then it was a little bit different because that was the Easter weekend series, so it was moved up a day. And so our usual Saturday guy, Chase Dolander, who's a true freshman, hits about 95-96 consistently, can throw it up to 98. It was his first time really getting out of his element where he didn't have a full week of rest, had to move his start up. And so I think that's what kind of got him off kilter a little bit. He only goes four innings, giving up six runs in that Friday game. Georgia State ends up winning it in extra innings, seven to six. And then Sunday, I wish I could tell you what happened, to be honest with you. Georgia State only won three to two, but Jordan Jackson, who has started the season as the Friday night starter for Georgia Southern, ended up moving into the bullpen, then to the Sunday start. That was his first Sunday start of the year, and being able to go six and a third innings of work and only giving up three runs, the line doesn't necessarily tell you how well he pitched. Through the first three innings, he had gotten first pitch strikes on, I think, 85% of the guys that he threw to. And so Sunday was just kind of one of those games that you're going to have every once in a while. It's not that you did anything wrong. But I will tell you, I'm absolutely amazed that Georgia State is at the bottom of the Eastern Division. And I know they haven't been good in a little while, but bringing in Brad Stromdahl now in his second year, he's somebody that I've known for a while. He was part of that Georgia Gwinnett staff in the summer league that I worked for and helped run, played out of Georgia Gwinnett. So I've known Stromdahl for a long time. He is one of the best college baseball coaches, not in, not only in the state of Georgia, but I think he's one of the best in the country. He's just a couple of years, I think, from getting a big-time job around college baseball. But he has really got that program in the right direction off the field. There was a lot of things when he took over from Greg Frady that had to be fixed, whether it be your your grades, your off-the-field mentality of the team, some of the people that needed to get out of the program that bring in some of the new players. And so he's starting to get them on the right track as far as getting it right off the field. And now I think you're starting to see slowly but surely – getting it right on the field. And I think in the next year, maybe two years, Georgia State's going to be right up in the top of the Eastern Division too. I, I couldn't agree. Oh, sorry, Josh. I didn't mean to step on you, but I, I couldn't agree more. I think with what they did this year playing the Vanderbilts, the Kentuckys, I think they're showing them something there. Go ahead, Josh. I apologize. No, you're good. I was going to tell – I was going to say the same thing to Colin. They, I, they were competitive in some SEC games this year at the beginning of the season, if I remember correctly. And I know that uh, – I know that Georgia Southern went up to Tennessee and – Really was competitive all weekend. I know they didn't get a W out of out of the weekend, but they they looked like a competent baseball team and looked dangerous from the onset. So, uh, yeah, well, they, I, I agree. They, they beat I, I th uh, they beat Vanderbilt's Friday night guy on that's Friday. That's who it was, Vanderbilt. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So no, I agree that Georgia State's heading in the right direction, and I'm also very surprised that they were at the bottom of the Eastern Division standings. That that really kind of took me by surprise when I started doing the homework. But uh, if I if I would, I'll ask you one more questions and one more question, and I'll let. Greg, uh, Craig, take over. What do you – we all thought Coastal would be better, obviously, and Troy seems to be Jekyll and Hyde. 
is there anybody that you are particularly concerned with getting hot going into the tournament on the east side that's not named Georgia State? I'm sorry, Georgia Southern or South Al? I think on the east side, Troy is the team that you could see getting hot late. They've got a lineup that Georgia Southern saw the first weekend of Sunbelt Conference play over at Riddle Pace Field. And especially Saturday was just an offensive onslaught. And Troy is a team that I'm kind of surprised. They're only seven and eight in conference play. And that's the team that if you see in the tournament that you have to win that game to get out of pool play, that's the team I wouldn't want to see. Yeah, I think there are so many teams, uh, even though you guys are out on top or South Alabama's out on top, there are so many teams that can come in, uh, I think, that can win this tournament. Uh, Arkansas State is another team that I think is playing well now that started out. Uh, Obviously, Texas State, I'd like to say they're playing better. I hope they're playing better because they beat us two out of three, and I hope it wasn't because we we stunk it up all weekend, which, which I don't think was the case, but then again, I wasn't there, didn't get to listen to it, just read a lot of articles. Um, what, what, what is your impression, though, of Coastal? I mean, that to me is, I mean, you know, they're just only a few years away from a national championship. You thought they would have been able to go a little bit longer on that. But, you know, I think that to me is the biggest surprise, even maybe more so than Texas State. Yeah, and really and truly, we saw them up at Springsbrook Stadium a couple of weeks ago, and I was very unimpressed with the lineup that Coastal has. And you know you've got Parker Chavers there in the middle of that lineup, but he's got nobody really – you've got B.T. Ryapel, the power-hitting catcher, but he didn't really do anything the weekend we were up there. And so when Parker Chavers is the only guy, he struggles in that role because he's trying to do too much, trying to be the guy where he knows he's the only guy in that lineup. And so I was really unimpressed with that coastal lineup. Their pitching struggled against us a good bit, especially on the starting side, but that's a coastal team that obviously we haven't seen in two years because of the COVID shutdown in 2020, but that's a coastal team that has probably taken the biggest dip of any team that we've seen this year. You know, they were on their uh, – actually, they were here in Lafayette when, when the, the whole cancellation of the se- season came down, so we didn't get to see them either. Uh, we, we, we took three out of four games from them. We played a non-conference game on Monday. Uh, I believe uh, – I mean, I know you know because I text both you and Danny during the, the three games that, that you guys played against them. I listened to you guys all weekend. Uh, I believe that's when I was out sick and – our games did not conflict with your games. I think there might have been rain delay somewhere in there, too. So it was really awesome to be able to hear you and Danny all weekend and, and just be able to listen to baseball, then throw up a, a, another Sunbelt game on the, on the TV, being able to watch it all. You know, there's times, uh, and don't tell this to our administration, there are times I'd rather be at home and have multiple games on and listen to your call, listen to Jay's call, and top. And Danny, and, and instead of being at the ballpark, but that's not often. I'm, I'm back healthy again, and I'm going to have a beer this weekend. The Peanut Man is back at, uh, at, at our game. We've got Dino's back at our game. We've got all of our food vendors. Jambalaya Shop coming back. For those that don't know it, Brad Topham owns the Jambalaya Shop. Please go out and support uh, a, a, a food vendor that supports the Cajun. So, sorry, I had to throw that little, little in there. But 
Um, hey, the jam- jambalaya shop is one of the best food I've ever eaten. It's, it's a mainstay. When we go to Lafayette, we've got to get a lot of different things, but the jambalaya shop is, is where it's at. That pastalaya, I could eat it all day. It, it uh, I know we had some before the football game here, or yeah, the Friday night before the football game here, and, and Brad took care of us with more food than I could eat, but not more food than you could eat. So, <laughs> no, that, that takes a good bit. So, but back to coastal and, and, and baseball. Uh, let me, have y'all seen, obviously, you've seen App State already. Um, I know they have a new coach as well, or fairly new. Uh, I believe is this his second or third year? I think this is year four for Kermit up at App coming down from the D two rank. Okay. Um, just uh, what what did y'all see out of them? Did you take? Did you sweep them? I'm sorry, I should know all this. I should be looking at it. Take a look back and. I have a hard time well, remember what we did on some of these series, so. <laughs> Georgia Southern took the first two games of that series and then fell three to one on Sunday as Noah Hall, who I don't know why App State hasn't gone ahead and said that Noah Hall was their Sunday starter because he came in and the Sunday started against us and went six innings and one run ball. And he's pretty much shut down anybody he's gone up against, but they're still in that role of Hall will come out of the bullpen on Friday or Saturday if they need him. And then if not, he'll pitch, he'll be the starter on Sunday which I've never really been a big fan of for there's been a couple of teams around the league that have done it for a couple of years, but I, I'm just not a fan. Get your starting pitchers and let them have that role. Let them know what they're going into on the weekend. Well, you know, I, I, I agree with you there because uh, your, your guys, I mean, the, the whole process of coming in as a reliever versus a starter, it's a different mindset. It's a different, it, everything is different. You, you, you're, when you pitch your bullpen is different versus, uh, you know, coming in on a weeknight game. And, uh, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's different. You know, App State has been one of those teams that as we've gone over there, um, they've been dangerous to play for us. And I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's the weather, uh, this business about the altitude, I don't think is really anything unless you let it get in your head. So but Don't then get me started on the altitude. <laughs> okay. So, um, so App State, Coastal, we talked about Georgia State, which I agree with you. I, I mean, I know Josh talked about them with you, but I agree with you. I think they've got a good head coach there. I don't know if their, their, their play against all those SEC and ACC teams was a money thing or if it was just more of trying to season his ball club. Um, I think it was a little bit of both. I think obviously they got a good chunk of change from playing all those SEC teams, but we were just a couple of weeks after they started Sunbelt play. We were talking to Strom before the weekend, and he was telling us that the average fastball that they saw in non-conference play was 94. Holy the average was 94. And then they step into Sunbelt play the first couple of weeks, and the average is 89, 90 maybe. And so it was a little adjustment for them to have to step back into Sunbelt Conference play from not seeing 94 out of the pen every time. But did, did you expect more out of them? I mean, obviously, you know, you guys, you guys played them. I mean, but did you, I mean, in the Sunbelt itself, did you expect them to be a little better than what they were or, uh, because of the games they had played early on? Or do you think, because they were competitive in some of them. 
Yeah, they were competitive against – we've got the win against Vandy and a couple other wins in Power 5 opponents. But I think you're going to see the dividends pay off more next year, the year after, because you've got a lot of young players for that Georgia State team and trying to find their roles of who's going to play where. And so you didn't have the same players playing in all 14 of those Power 5 games. But I think you're going to see the dividends pay off more next year and the year after. Again, I think they're still a year away. I thought they'd be a little bit better than what their record shows, and I don't think their record's really indicative of what they really are. But I think the next year, year after, like I said, they're going to be at the top of the Sun Belt East. Yeah, I mean, they, they took two from West Virginia. I'm just looking at this, and one of them big, 20-4. to four. You know, they were 2-3 and three after the first weekend of the season. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, this, this is going to be a team – that's going to be a force to reckon with. And then they played the, the fourth game against West Virginia, lost two to three, and then home against uh, Georgia with a two to six, and then headed up to Vanny and beat Vanny on Friday night, four to two. And then the next game was four to five. Um, and then stomped the Georgia Tech team. I guess I expected a little bit more of them after seeing the first two weeks, but maybe it all caught up with them with all the travel and everything, especially as you know, uh, in traveling. Uh, COVID changes things a lot differently as far as hotels and, and things like that. So, yeah, uh, and it pains me to say anything nice about Georgia State. So, oh, trust me, uh, we were on here. Who were we with, <laughs> Josh? And we were we were talking about you know sports hatred, and uh, I brought up oh, it was uh, JD Byers from JD, South Africa. That's right. Yeah, and I said something about hating. Uh, um, Georgia State I said maybe a little bit less now that Ron Hunter is gone but still yeah. not still not totally oh let's wrap your arms around it guys you know <laughs> I mean everybody else and we we've got obvious you know I've been been traveling with football and, and baseball and obviously around the around the Sun Belt I've got I've, I've met the other announcers and become friends with us we got Josh Sowers coming on from UTA next week to talk about that series. Uh, Danny's going to come on next week and talk some more about the Sun Belt. Uh, and obviously we have Jay on every Monday night. So it's been helpful. So let's take a quick break right here. And then when we come back, we'll talk about uh, Sun Belt Conference and we'll talk about the Sun Belt Tournament a little bit more specifically. And if I can get my mouse to work, I can pause for a break here. Oh, here we go. And. Hmm. And three, welcome back to We're Talking. We got Josh Jagno here. I'm Craig Malonsaw and Colin Lacey from the Georgia Southern. Let me get this correct. Georgia Southern Sports Network. I always want to call it the radio network, but I know you guys do more than radio. But I know you and Danny from the radio. And I think baseball is made for radio. And so we're talking baseball. Hey, I'm down for either one. It, you, we used to be called the Georgia Southern Radio Network, so I'll answer to both. Okay, good deal. Then I'm not a complete idiot, but you don't have to go there on that one. And Josh, quiet. So let's talk uh, Sunbelt Conference Tournament. I know we talked a little bit about it. I know there's a lot of baseball left with three weekends uh, to go. But, you know, you've got, uh, you know, the interesting part of about it right now, in my opinion, is that if, if we were to uh, – if we were to finish today, we talked about Georgia State and South Alabama. That's where the Cajuns would be with Georgia, uh, Georgia State and South Alabama. And Georgia Southern with Texas State and Coastal 
which again, I think Texas State, hopefully, after they beat us two out of three, is playing better baseball, and that's not a figment of our imagination. And Coastal, I still think, is dangerous. So uh, what's, what's your thoughts on the tournament? What's your top thought? Let's, let's get into pool play first. What's your thoughts on pool play and how they set up the bracket this year? I don't necessarily like pool play. I like the way that the Sunbelt Conference has done it ever since Georgia Southern joined, well, outside of the tournament in Statesboro that got rained out for about four days. But yeah, we won't go on that one after sitting in the hotel oh. for a couple of days, but that's all right. Jeez. That was the most rain I've ever seen in my life. But I, I don't necessarily like the pool play. I understand why they were doing it, but talking to one of my buddies that does Georgia Tech baseball for the last couple of years and the ACC has done pool play for the last couple of years, he said there's always an instance, and he said it always seemed like Georgia Tech was in it, where you play a game on the last day where no matter who wins, it doesn't mean anything. And so you've got two teams that end up playing what always seems to be about a four-and-a-half-hour ball game that doesn't mean anything. And so you're going to have that with the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. It's inevitable with the way the bracket is sound up, and especially the way that the Sunbelt's doing it, where the higher seed, if everybody finishes one-and-one, the higher seed would move on. I don't really – it puts more of an emphasis on the regular season, but – I, I just, I but know, isn't that I'm just not a? Isn't that a good thing though? A little bit more emphasis on on the regular season. I mean, I'm just. Yeah, it is, but I think you can do it in a couple of different ways. You look at the way they've done the basketball tournament before, where the top two teams get a first round, even a first and second round by, and so I think that puts more of a emphasis on the regular season. But with baseball, it's a little bit different of how you can structure a bracket. So. I don't know that there's a right answer of how to structure your conference tournament because there's always going to be somebody that finds something wrong with whatever you put out. And so it's just a matter well, of who's going to be mad at what. You know, softball uh, did that a couple of years back and they did it to protect the top seeds from playing the lower seeds that were had an RPI of 258 in softball. Now the Sunbelt has done a much better job around the Sunbelt with, with everyone playing better softball and you have four teams now in the top uh, 40 RPI, which is exciting. It should be exciting for everyone in softball. Uh, but, and I think next year, the plan is to go back to, uh, I want to say 10 teams making the tournament, then playing pool play before we got to a bracket. So uh, I know this year was unusual. And to me, I don't like it necessarily but i think it's the best option for this year what we knew at the beginning of the season yeah and i think it goes to put into play we weren't sure how many games you're actually going to play and the fact that i think we're still at only one conference weekend that's been wiped out and who would that be (laughs) that was when coastal had the COVID against appalachian state but i I will talk about We'll talk about that in the last day. Let's not dig into deep right there. I know Josh is biting at the bit over there to trash us some coastal. COVID Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Colin. But I think the fact that you've only had one conference a weekend postponed is kind of about as good as you could have hoped for. And the fact that you weren't sure who was going to play how many games, I think that's kind of like you're talking about the best thing that you could have thought of 
Well, you know, we, we, I think the uh, Sun Belt is in six different states with six different sets of uh, rules with six different governors. Uh, you know, Louisiana is, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're at full capacity now at the Teague, but no restrictions. They encourage you to wear a mask when you walk in and out. It's up to you. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, I think, I, I hope it's because our student athletes realize what they were doing and then stayed away from uh, where they could have caught it, whether it was a party or something like that. I'd like to think that all the teams did a pretty good job of uh, uh, getting, getting their student athletes to do what was right. So, but yes, Coastal Carolina. But again, you know, I think we were lucky to only have one game uh, or one series eliminated. And, you know, when you're playing midweek games or anything, there's no place in there to pick that up. So uh, so if, if it started today, uh, the Cajuns would actually have the first game uh, of the tournament, which would be nice because it's a morning game. And if it is rained out or, or rain, we wouldn't have that 7 o'clock game or 7.30 game that we know is actually going to start probably about 8.30, 9 o'clock. So uh, it, it's always fun to see those things. Um, so with, with pool play, though, like you said, the top seed advances is everybody's one and one. Um, but you're going to have that game. Brant Freeman brought that up last week, that you're going to have that one game that that's probably going to mean nothing, and no one's going to care about it. But I guess if I'm if, if I'm a senior, um, I've got that one more game. If if I know I'm not going to be drafted and everything, I'd like to think I can go out and just have some fun for the last game, and 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 move forward. And for me, uh, being there in, in Montgomery, uh, I'm just going to enjoy watching baseball. I don't I don't care who plays. I'll go see a little league game if there's one around. So. What is your thought on the tournament being in Montgomery as, as opposed to uh, hosting it at, at some, somewhere like Statesboro that we know is going to get rain for 72 hours and flood all the fields and the parking lots? And No, I'm sorry. That was a quick dig. I, I think I'm a little bit more bitter because we lost the game, the one game that we played, versus, uh, versus you know being there and, and, and having an opportunity to win. So, so what's your thoughts on Montgomery? I really like Montgomery. When Georgia Southern was able to play in the Camellia Bowl a couple of years ago, stayed at the hotel just down the street from Riverwalk Stadium. I think the team had a function there, a dinner one night. And so having the experience of Montgomery, I haven't been to the ballpark yet because we were staying back to the basketball or something. We weren't there when the team went to the event. But being able to possibly walk to the stadium if you wanted to and there's a lot of really cool spots right around that area where two huge hotels are that I would assume most of the teams are going to be staying at it's going to be really nice to be able to it almost takes it back to the way the Sunbelt basketball tournament used to be when Georgia Southern first joined the league where all of the teams stayed in that one hotel and you got to see people from all the different schools you got to hang out with everybody that you knew from the different institutions and being able to make it kind of a a turn, more tournament feel of being around everybody the entire time and being able to be right there around everything, whether it be the stadiums and cool places to eat. I, I really like the fact that they put it in Montgomery. Well, we've stayed in Mon Montgomery twice when we play Troy. That's where we stay, and uh, we're right there. And like you said, there are 
which I will I will go ahead and forward to you and Danny. Uh, I've got a list of restaurants that are all within walking distance, uh, a couple bars in the baseball stadium. It's perfect. Uh, I think we're going to have a great time. We know our team is staying at the Embassy Suites along with ULM and Little Rock. So I'm not sure. I, it looks like, depending on the hotel size, it looks like they're going to have three, uh, three, three to each each one. So um, it, it's going to be fun. Everybody's going to be able to see everyone. Uh, once, once you get your car there, it's parked. So Josh, any questions or comments about the tournament? Well, I've, I've, I've got my own opinions on the tournament. Uh, but I would say, you know, we kind of started to talk about this before the break. A lot of times it, and look, we're guilty of it too. You know, everybody is across the country. Certain leagues get a certain amount of respect and certain leagues are kind of thought to be, you know, inferior. What do you guys, this is a question for both of you. What do you guys think about quite a few of our teams stepping out of conference early in the season and, and really looking strong then coming back into conference and struggling? I, I mean, Coastal, us, uh, Georgia, Georgia State, like you said, they've got some very impressive wins and they're in the cellar in the East. There's a couple of Troy has a few nice wins. Do you guys think that the health of the league is where you thought it might be? Do you think it's lagging? Do, do you think it's ahead of maybe where even uh, we perceive it to be? I'm just curious about that. Colin, you go ahead and take this first. I think the league as a whole is a little bit behind where I thought it would be coming in. Um, but I do think the league is deeper than a lot of people believe outside the Sun Belt. And so I think when people think Sunbelt Conference baseball, they think of Louisiana, they think of South Alabama, and maybe every once in a while Georgia Southern sneaks into that conversation. But I think it goes a lot deeper than that, and people are starting to see, like, Georgia Southern going a couple of weeks ago out to Oklahoma and taking two out of three from the Sooners and Norman. You've had a number of different teams being able to step out of conference play, especially on the weekends, because midweek baseball, you never know what can happen. You could have some random freshman that, comes in and just deals against the power five opponent and then you never hear from him again. So I think the midweek matchups are a little bit more. Yes. It's great to say that you knocked off X, Y, and Z in the midweek, but at the end of the day, it's where the weekend where everybody throws their best. And so being able to do it on the weekend, I think you've seen more and more Sunbelt teams take care of business against quote unquote, bigger opponents on the weekend. And I think that's bringing more notoriety to the league. Yeah, I agree with Colin. I think uh, I think we're, we're we are behind where I, I expected Sunbelt baseball this year, but at the same time, I I I believe there's a, a little bit more parity, which is not good when we uh, when we get to the tournament. And I don't know if that means that everybody's playing down, or if we've got teams playing up. I mean, Colin mentioned the Cajuns, and he mentioned mentioned uh, South Alabama. Um, you know, I think Georgia Southern, not just because you're on, I've, I've touted them all year long, uh, I think is one that is is underrated. And uh, I'm hoping to see you guys grab that top spot. But, you know, Troy hasn't really played up. Texas State, Arkansas State has been, you know, hit hit or miss. Little Rock is is Jekyll and Hyde, road and, and, road and, and uh, home. And, and then, you know, as, as much as we hate them, ULM is actually a better baseball team than what they showed their, their three games on the weekend. And I discount the weekday game against them, although I always want to beat them. You know, Coach Deggs was putting some guys in situations that 
that they were going to need to perform in when it came time for the tournament. Let's, let's be perfectly honest about it. There are only two teams that can go on a run right now and, and probably have a shot at a, uh, an at-large bid if they don't win the tournament. And that's South Alabama and Georgia Southern. No one in the West, I think, has a shot, including us. I mean, unless we just swept through it all and got to the finals, we might, might, but, but our RPI, let's forget about RPI at this point. It's really not going to make a difference. I think it, it's going to come down to winning the tournament. And that's a shame because I don't want it to, to get like it is in basketball where the Sunbelt Conference is a, a one big league. You know, we're only looking at it probably five, six, six years ago where the Sunbelt Conference had three or four teams in the tournament. I don't want it to get like uh, uh, basketball where we're, you know, it's going to be those, those three days in March to get us to the conference tournament. Yeah, I agree. Oh. I, I think that I don't, I don't necessarily worry about that in baseball because of our ability to schedule. We have so much more flexibility. We don't have to buy games the same way that basketball does. I don't think it'll ever get to that. Plus, you know, we have such robust fan bases up and down the league. Uh, as far as the league and my question, I, I, this, the way that I would answer that question is, in my opinion, I think we're no longer a top-heavy league. I think that our, you know, what we would consider our elite programs are not playing to their capability. But what I do think is that the floor of the league has significantly improved. Look at an App State, look at a ULM, even Georgia State. You know, we, we talked about them earlier. I mean, these guys are going to be uh, something to be reckoned with in the, in the years to come. So I really think that the strength is in the middle and more parity, like you said, Craig. But I'm, more, I'm most um, uh, happy, you know, I'm, I'm most content with the floor of the league really improving. And I think that's going to pay dividends coming into the next two, three, four years. I, I agree. And I think we saw that even though, I mean, Texas state was, you know, everyone had picked them to, to win uh, the West and, and they were bringing back everybody. And I don't know if they're finding their footing or not. Again, I hate to keep bringing it up, but hopefully they're a better team than what they showed early on. And hopefully they continue to win, but not enough to where, you know, the Cajuns can move up into that top spot because let's be honest for me and you, Josh, it's all about the Cajuns. We want to see the, everyone do well, but as long as we're on top, still everyone else can do well. Absolutely. Look, there's an old Jewish joke about how r rabbis typically get along just as long as they do it their way. So. <laughs> I'll have to remember that. Colin. Uh, I forgot where I was going. I want to get into this other question I have in the next segment. Josh, you have anything else while I'm fumbling over here? Um, yeah, Colin, give me a great bar to go to when I visit Statesboro. Ooh. You know, Statesboro has a lot of college bars. So I don't know exactly you what you say that with seen. such disdain. I don't know what your scene is. I'm more of a, a Craig type of person where I'm more of sitting around a fire, just telling stories and laughing the whole time. I'm not more of the club scene, but uh, depends on what, what's your, uh, what's your scene, what's your go-to. Uh, sparsely crowded, maybe a piano, not lots of noise. And I drink my whiskey neat. So that ought to tell you something. Okay. Well, Statesboro then probably isn't your scene. <laughs> yeah. Now I believe you can get uh, 
whiskey at the uh, restaurants, but you can't buy that in the stores. Is that correct, or is that changed? That's correct. It's a, a a dry county is Bullet County, so they say. But uh, there's a store right on the county line that is actually called County Line that uh, that can hook you up with whatever you fancy. Okay, sounds good. Uh, there is there is an excellent liquor store that is between Atlanta and and uh, Statesboro, uh, run by three women. Uh, I don't know why I brought that up. Because because I, I you just you see them on the bulletin board I guess so you'll know which liquor store I'm looking about I'm I'm not trying to I mean it doesn't surprise me that women are, are running it and I'll just shut up now while my foot is in my mouth securely <laughs> and let me see if I can eat and see what I tell you what this is a good time to take a break we'll be right <laughs> back after this brief break thank you welcome back to we're talking. Colin and Josh, let's talk about how the season's set up and uh, how 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 you guys like playing non-conference games in the middle of conference games. What's your thoughts on it? After I get your thoughts, I'll totally destroy them and give you mine. No. You may agree with me, you may not, but, hey, that's what this is all about. So, Colin, why don't you talk first there on, on your opinion of uh, how it's been laid out. I'm not a huge fan of having non-conference weekends in the middle of conference play. But I do see where it kind of benefits a team like Georgia Southern a couple of weeks ago goes out and plays Oklahoma. It's a chance that you probably don't get early in the season. But because it's one of the few conferences that has off weekends, Georgia Southern and Oklahoma were able to make it work. And I think if you're able to do something like that, it's more beneficial for you than in a couple of weeks, Georgia Southern will go and take on Elon on the road. That's something that I'm not a huge fan of going down and playing a quote-unquote lower conference opponent to be able to just fill a weekend i i would rather play the 10 conference weekends like we have in the past but that's just me well i think we uh i know i i know because of covid we weren't supposed to be playing north alabama this this weekend uh there was someone else on the schedule but i agree with you on that so would you would you say the same number of conference games should be the same and we're moved and and move conference play back to where you had more non-conference games at the beginning of the season or would you just rather play more conference games I would probably rather just play more conference games and I think it goes to help something we talked about earlier with the Sun Belt not turning into a one-bid league I think if you've got more than the number of conference games we have now I think that helps it a little bit to be able to say look we've played everybody and this is what the Sun Belt has to offer well on that note, then, I mean, because I think the way it was set up, the idea was the top three RPI teams were going to play the top three RPI teams on the other division. Is that something you like or is that something you dislike as well? Um, personally, I don't like it because it means we don't see you guys. <laughs> it's the way that the RPI has fell the last couple of years, and I think it's a four-year rolling RPI or whatever it is. Georgia Southern and Louisiana didn't match up in that four-year RPI, and so – it means we don't get to see the Cajuns. But outside of that, I think it's good because you get to boost your RPIs. Now, it doesn't help teams like a ULM, a Georgia State, and Arkansas State that we've talked about, some of the up-and-comer teams in the Sun Belt. It doesn't help them because they're playing the lower RPIs on the other side. But I think it helps the top. Well, and I agree with you there. And I think, to me, I think it's a good thing. Again, uh, I think it's a three-year ruling one, so – Hopefully Georgia Southern finishes at or near the top, and then we'll be seeing you guys in three years. 
Uh, I, I like it. I mean, I mean, look what ULM did. They, they were able to schedule t- TCU the second to the last weekend uh, of, the, uh, of the year. That's a huge get. I mean, obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, because we had TCU here early in the year, and I believe that was uh, the first weekend of conference play, so we were able to get a TCU here. They're going to UL. Uh, they're going to TCU. Uh, I, I'm I'm not a fan of of the, of the lower conferences, and I hate to be a snob, but if you're doing it to boost your RPI, you have to play better. But again, I know for the Cajuns, we had someone else scheduled that uh, lots of things happened there where they were playing. Uh, uh, some conferences went to once conference play started, they went to four game weekends. I think. Conference USA and the Southland did. So unfortunately that happened. Uh, we were able to get two not conference games against Louisiana Tech though, early on in the season, which I, I think uh, Louisiana Tech is right now, by all accounts is uh, scheduled to host uh, a regional. So um, good for them, not good for us, but hey, um, they're, they're like some other team that's, uh, or two teams that are in the Sun Belt. I really don't care for them at all. and not bashful about saying it so uh but josh your thoughts on the uh on the on the conference schedule and how it played out and what we've got left to play Uh, i think and look this is coming from a guy that is a fan of a team that's constantly in the top three or four in the rpi uh, in the league Uh, i think it's dumb i think that it's a great way to keep your haves as haves and your have-nots as have-nots And we talked about this before. If you're going to improve the league overall and you're going to send good quality programs to tournament play or, uh, you know, NCAA play, why not? To me, you want to boost the bottom. You want to keep the middle strong as strong as you can. It it doesn't have to be an RPI mandate for your best teams to get through and and bust through. I don't think that that needs to be mandated. Um, Now, I do. I think the idea of having some flexibility later in the year to schedule out a conference, I think that's fine. But. I think there are other ways to get that accomplished. Uh, so from just the, the perspective of the league being healthy as a whole, I don't love it. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't like it. Well, I, I, I will kind of defend that and I do like it or uh, I think it's good. And I think, I think we're seeing some of it to where Georgia Southern went out and like, like Colin said earlier and played uh, uh, Oklahoma and then, and, I don't know why I would have, I would have done what App State did, but you know I, I think I think they had the right idea. I would have thrown some other teams in there, but again, I don't know if that was financial or if that was trying to to boost and get them ready for Sun Belt play. Uh, don't know what their team is going to be like. The thing, the I would probably not go with the uh, three year running RPI. And I don't know if you would cut that down to two or one and you would, you know, I don't know how you do it. I, I like the concept up of it, I guess. And that, that's, that's my biggest problem is you're locked in for three years and there are so many variables with RPI. I mean, look, I love Bab, but Bab is a master manipulator of the RPI has been for years. You know, we've got relationships that, you know, 80% of the rest of the league may not have. So we have a luxury. It's a built-in advantage. And again, I'm a fan of this school. So I, I understand what I'm saying. I, I just don't feel like a Georgia State or a Little Rock or uh, Troy has that advantage. And look, stepping out of conference is a double-edged sword. 
Yeah, I know TCU was you – know, they came to ULM – or they played ULM and they came here. Was that helped out by the, the COVID situation? Will that be a, a, an, a, an option later on for other schools in the league? I don't know the answer to that question. So if you don't get a TCU or an Oklahoma as Georgia Southern did, uh, you get stuck with an Elon, you get stuck with a North Alabama, you get stuck with a St. Peter's. I mean, it could, it can help. It can hurt. Well, I, I think part of it now, and, and if you ask Bab, I mean, uh, schedules are done four and five years in advance. And by knowing which weekends we're going to have off and which, which weekends, you know, and which teams we're going to need to play, I think we can go out and take the, take that advantage. And it's up to, up to me, it's up to those teams that are at the bottom to take advantage of it all also. And I think ULM does that this year with TCU. I, I would have to look to see who their other non-conference opponent was. Um, but, hey, it is um, – I, I think we're stuck with it a couple years, and hopefully it'll, it, it'll show uh, to get better. I hope, I hope we stay at the top. I think what it does do is uh, give those – to me, I think – it allows those teams to uh, improve their RPI and get to one of those three spots. I hope it never happens that we're not in the top three, but you know, it, it could happen. And, and it may not be necessarily be because we're losing. It could be because one of those teams at the bottom is winning and is up their RPI. I see both sides of it. And, and uh, yeah. if it went away, it wouldn't bother me. I like the idea of being able, because, uh, obviously, the Big 12 uh, does it. They have an opening it, during their conference play. I'm not sure uh, that that goes that that goes nicely with with some of the Sun Belt schools. So, uh, to me, let, let's take advantage of it and do it. So, well, I, I commend the league for recognizing that we want to, you know, really highlight and boost our teams uh, at the at the top that'll that'll represent the league, you know, in our in what we believe is the best way. So I understand that, look, it's not always going to be perfect. Somebody's not going to like one way or the other. I mean, highlighted by this conversation right here. Uh, to answer your question, uh, ULM played Ole Miss. Okay. Conference. That so was they a three hit TCU game? and Ole Miss. Yeah. Okay. All right. TCU for them is this weekend. So uh, thanks. Man, yeah, you're on sure. top of it. I mean, I knew you were, but. Hey, know. listen, I showed up. I showed up with my A game today. You know, COVID can't stop me. I know. I mean, I'm, it's kind of scary. I, I felt embarrassed. I didn't know that. So <laughs> good deal. I, I, I think it's, I, I think we really have to throw this year out with everything with COVID and everything uh, and, and use, I, I don't want to say an excuse, but use this as moving forward to see what happens. I just hope, I hope we let this play out a couple of years and don't just say, Oh, we did it this year boom, we're not going to do it anymore. So, and I think for scheduling wise, you, you almost have to, because uh, we, we've got those, uh, those group, those other teams scheduled over the next few years. So uh, Colin, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we played South Alabama in a non-conference series. And I think for us and uh, this year, Texas state is playing them in a non-conference series. I think those are two normally high RPI teams. Uh, I think it's, it's good for the conference to play each other. And I wish there was a way, uh, you know, to, to do that uh, with some of the other schools. You don't often get that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, uh, Texas State and, and South Alabama playing in a non-conference series this weekend? 
I think it just goes to show you the respect that those two programs have for the league and the fact that you have that non-conference opponent. And yes, it could have been because all of this was decided a little bit later on in the ball game, but being able to have a conference opponent as a non-conference game really shows you that, yeah, you could go and get a St. Peter's like you guys were talking about, but at the end of the day, it does you no good unless you're playing a quality opponent. Well, if the only quality opponent you've got on your docket is somebody that's in the conference, go ahead and knock it out. I mean, and I think it makes more sense with you guys in South Alabama a couple of years ago, the rivalry that you guys have, that should be a series every single year. And so it just goes to show you the strength of the conference, like we've talked about this entire episode, of keeping the top of the Sunbelt Conference and making it to where you have to have more than one bid in the, in the NCAA regional. I agree. I, I, I like it personally, especially two teams that are, are, are that should be at the top of the, of both of those standings, whether it's the top three or not. I don't know. I'm trying for some reason. I, I just assumed Texas state was a top three RPI team and South Alabama was maybe I got something confused there. So, or I, or I don't, I don't know why that didn't work out, but Josh, your thoughts on the, on the South Alabama, Texas state series. Josh, computer was just not work. Hold on, one moment you guys continue, and I will be right back. Oh, you're back in now. You want to try? Nope, you're frozen again. Come back in. So, Colin, let's talk about the. uh, I I I don't know if you know any more than I do, or or anything like that, but Georgia State is supposed to be building a new baseball stadium where Fulton County Stadium was. I my understanding is they're supposed to keep the outfield wall where the outfield wall was, where uh, where Hank Aaron hit his uh, 714. Um, so uh, do you know anything else that I don't know? Has that been pushed back because of COVID? Are they planning on still doing it? Do they have a timeline? Is there anything there you can tell us? From everything that I've heard, um, talking with people around Georgia State when we were up there, everything still seems to be putting in motion. Now it's up to the state legislature, which Lord knows where that can go. But it's up to the state legislature now to approve it and to start to get funds that way. But I think everything is still all, all ships ahead of being able to get it in the next five years or so. Um, and I think that would be huge for that program. We talked about it earlier, how I think they're going to be one of the top teams in the Eastern Division in a couple of years under Brad Stromdahl, and they can only help to have a facility that you can actually recruit to because you've been to their facility now, and it's not beautiful. And so being able to have something that you can recruit to, the fact that it's a historical part being right around or at the Atlanta-Fulton County site is going to be big for especially the Atlanta kids because the Atlanta is really a hotbed for baseball talent, and which is why – you always see Georgia, Georgia Tech kind of at the top of, of the country, but being able to be right in the middle of smack dab downtown Atlanta and being able to accrue from all right around you has got to be huge for them, especially when you have something to recruit to. You know, I, I, I believe, uh, and, and I'm not trying to be facetious or, or, or sarcastic when I say this, I believe they do play on a high school field right now. I don't even know the high school play there. Yeah, uh, and it's about 45 minutes from downtown, if I remember correctly. It's been a, a couple of years since I've been there. 
we, we always have fun when we go to Atlanta, but uh, yeah, that, I know Jay and, and you've talked about it. And Danny, uh, if a ball is hit to the right field, you can't see it because there's a tree in the dugout in the way. Now, so, I will say this year we were outside because of socially distance. They yep. had to spread their ESPN crew out to two booths. So we were outside. We were on a table underneath a tent right behind the backstop, which was a lot of fun when it was 43 degrees. But <laughs> they did prune the tree. So if you're in the press box, you probably can see right field now. But they had a retired number on the right field wall for Mike Harris, the legendary coach for them. He actually passed away a couple of months ago. but Honestly, until I guess it would have been three years ago now, when I went down to the field, when I was doing the in-dugout reporting, I didn't know that number was there because we hadn't seen it the first couple of times we were there. Gotcha, yeah. So, I mean, I've got to believe moving it downtown and doing everything that's got to help their recruiting, like you said, and have it closer to the campus. I believe under the football stadium, uh, I because that was, uh, excuse me, it was Turner Field was the old football yeah. stadium? Okay. I believe there's some batting cages and hitting tunnels or some things like that that are still down there that are accessible. Yeah, they, and strangely enough, they still have the old Braves bullpen still there at what's now Center Park Stadium, maybe. It's still Turner Field to me. Yeah. But the bullpen is still there. The Braves clubhouse, Georgia State Baseball, has actually taken over that area. So they have a, I guess, off facility. So they've got a clubhouse. All the coaches' offices are in Turner Field now, and they're able nice. to go and work out a little bit at at their stadium now. But it's uh, the fact that Georgia State can recruit to say you were in the Turner Field Braves clubhouse, kind of cool. Yeah, and if you brought up earlier about the legislature, state legislature, I know uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the state legislatures that's from Atlanta was pushing pretty hard for this as a revitalization project for the city, and it seemed like there was a lot of uh, movement there. I think they're going to get the funding from the state legislature, whereas it, where we we did our. Uh, funding for Russo Park was uh, pretty much 90, 95%, 98% private funds. So they have a huge advantage. I know, I don't know if Georgia Southern has a student fee for athletics. We do not. Again, I believe there are 40,000 40, students or something like that officially. Or, uh, so, I mean, yeah. quite a bit, 53,000 actually with enrollment. And if they're getting student fees from that, that's a tidy sum to help them out. Yeah, I think a large part of their athletic budget comes from student fees. I want to say somewhere 60%, even maybe more of their athletic department budget come from student fees. But a lot of those are commuter students that come to Metro Atlanta, not a whole lot of dorms and housing in the middle of Midtown. But being able to get that, and they've already started that revitalization project outside of Turner Field. They've put up a couple of student housing where the parking lot used to be outside of Turner Field, where the Olympic Village used to be. So already starting that project a little bit, and hopefully the, uh, the baseball stadium is the next thing to come. Josh, now that you're back, any comments, thoughts? Sorry about that. That's what I get for bragging about my A game. Um, <laughs> what, what all is going to be involved in that revitalization uh, effort, I guess you want to call it? Do you know more about it, Colin? I'm not exactly sure what all they have envisioned i know they've got two student housing units that are going up that are pretty nice and then you've still got the couple of restaurants behind turner field that were there when the braves were there 
Um, and then I think they're starting to put or starting to move forward with the baseball stadium and the softball facility both going there in that parking lot in the area where Atlanta Fulton County Stadium used to be. So I'm not 100% sure of what all's going there. I just know that's kind of the big things that they're aiming for. Scary for the rest of the programs in the uh, in the Sun Belt because look at I mean Atlanta's a it's a mega market. They're gonna like you said, recruiting will not be an issue as, as long as they have something to recruit to, and their budget obviously is not going to be an issue now. If they really start, I don't know what their private funding looks like, but if they really put a a, a real charge into their private funding with the student fees, I mean my goodness, I, what do you guys know where their uh, athletic budget sits in the Sun Belt as of right now? I want to say it's somewhere right in the middle. It's not anything astronomical, but it's nothing like uh, a ULM. Yeah. Sure. And they've got plenty of built-in advantages. So really, and I appreciate the shot, the pot shot at ULM. I'm, I'm here for it. And I was going to go there. I was going to go there. I didn't have to. It's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's not a pot shot. It's, it's reality. <laughs> I mean, how else can you say it? So I think we're going to take one more quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the final three weeks of the season, and then we'll talk to Colin and see when him and Danny are heading to Montgomery to uh, watch the Simbel Conference Tournament. So, or not just watch, they'll be announcing there. I will be watching. So, one more quick break, and uh, we'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, Three. Welcome back to We're Talking. I'm Craig Melanson. We have Josh Jagno, my co-host, and we're talking with Colin Lacey from the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Welcome back. All right, guys, let's talk uh, a little bit about the last three weeks of the season, what we want to see. I mean, obviously, we know what we want to see from, from, from both of our teams. We want, we want to see them win out, take the series, and sweep where necessary. And we want to see the teams on top of us uh, drop a game or two uh, to where we can be in first place because I think uh, – I think well, I think it's healthy for the league for us in Georgia Southern to be on top of each division. And uh, I don't know if it's really healthy for the league, but hey, I don't care. I'm a homer. We're not here to I'm be good up, to me. Up. We're not here to be objective, are we, Colin? None whatsoever. All right. So uh, interesting. I mean, uh, I mean, is app. I mean, I did not realize this until I looked up at this, even though I wrote it in, in the newsletter. App is going to Miami for a non-conference series. And I know earlier in the year, uh, I don't know where Miami is ranked right now, but do, do you know off the top of your head, Colin or, or, or Josh, if they're ranked? Uh, I don't know. You give me but, just a moment and I will find out. Well, you know, Miami, while you guys are looking that up, I'll just say Miami has uh, been a perennial powerhouse. Uh, we had, uh, we've had a couple of coaches come to us from there or to there. Uh, through the years, um, so it, it's but, and they've won a lot of national championships early on. So either way, uh, that they, they're a strong program. They're in the ACC. Not going to be an easy task for App. No, I don't think they're ranked at least not in the D1 baseball poll. But okay, it's uh, it's one of those that we talked about earlier. When you're using your non-conference games, you need to do it against a quote-unquote better opponent so Appalachian State if they're able to go down and knock off a couple of games from Miami that only helps the entire conference and especially people that played them and so being able to see a Sunbelt Conference team step out of conference play and go to a, a Miami we talked about a couple of different ways that 
the Sun Belt has done it with TCU, with Ole Miss, and being able to do it, and it only helps the conference and everybody in it. Yeah, according I, I'm, to go ahead. Sorry, according to Warren Nolan, uh, excuse me, Warren Nolan, they have a 22 RPI, but the number one non-conference RPI is Miami. Not ranked though, but uh, wow. Yep, that's what's going on with them. So pro- probably a tournament team is what we're saying. So uh, a good get for App State, even even if you have to travel there. And I don't know if that was part of that whole thing uh, a few years back where they scheduled them in football and uh, Miami wanted them to come there first, uh, App State to come to Miami first. And App said, uh-uh, you're desperate for the game. We're not. You come to us first because we know you're going to end up buying it out. So good for them. Um, so Georgia Southern, what you guys got left? I see uh, uh, Arkansas State and UTA and uh, an Elyon team that is in the middle of those two. So, yeah, so we'll head to Arkansas State here in the next couple of days. I think we fly out early tomorrow to head to Jonesboro for three this weekend against Arkansas State and then. Kind of rekindle an old rivalry. Georgia Southern and Elon used to be in the SOCON together, and those were some good games a couple of years ago. And then Georgia Southern will finish it off and try to help out the Cajuns a little bit with UT Arlington for the final three here at J.I. Clement. So, uh, Elion, did you know, do you know much about them? You said you used, used to be in the SOCON together. I mean, are they playing good ball right now? Are they, or, I mean, are they at least over 500, or is that one of those things? No. They're down a little bit, and it's a team that has struggled – the last couple of years, they're not in the SOCON anymore. And being able to kind of take a step sideways, I guess. But it's a team that has struggled the last couple of years. Okay. Um, with the, let's, let's take the Cajuns and the Eagles out of this. What are, what are you expecting? If you had to name a team in each division to go on a run, who would that be? Selfishly, I hope it's either Coastal or App because that means they would take out South Alabama for a couple of games. And so selfishly, I'd like that for Georgia Southern. But on the other side in the West, I think it's a team. Little Rock, I think we've talked about it kind of up and down, whether they're at home or not. UT Arlington, I think they're playing a lot better than they are, to be honest with you. And I think you've seen it the last couple of years where towards the end of the season, they'll start to slide a little bit. But Arkansas State's a team that Georgia Southern's going to see this weekend, but they're playing a lot better as of late, have finally figured out a little bit of the weekend rotation and being able to hit probably as well as they have in the last couple of years. We talked with Matt Stoles the other day on our podcast on Tuesday, but being able to hit probably as good as any team that he's seen at Arkansas State, and he's been there a good while. I've been able to watch several of their games on uh, on, on the, uh, the ESPN Plus app, and it's, you know – I said, if I have if I have y'all on, I may I may watch another game, and it's been kind of interesting to watch those teams play as well. Uh, Josh, your thoughts on the last three weeks of the season? Well, interesting uh, about Arkansas State. I don't know if you guys saw, but they hit the daylights out of Ole Miss pitching last night, and uh, they are offensively a scary team. Even though you know we were able to hold them down pretty decently, and Cook was just phenomenal on the Saturday game. Uh, damn near pitched a no hitter. Um, I don't know, man. There's a couple of different teams that I think can catch fire. I I don't think Arkansas State can pitch uh, enough to get through the tournament. Uh, The guys that I worry about are 
I think Little Rock has a little bit more depth in the pin in the bullpen than I initially thought. I like Walner. I like uh, the guy that finished off uh, Friday for them against us. I can't remember his name. The big reliever that they brought in on Friday was that Funk. Uh, no, Funk was the starter Saturday. Okay. Uh, but but regardless, I, I think that their depth in the bullpen is improving, and it's it's very obvious as they start to figure this out. Still can't explain why they're hot and cold uh, on the road and at home. Still can't figure that out. But you know, maybe it's the Cracker Jack Park. I don't know. I don't know. But. They, they worry me a little bit. Little Rock does. Arkansas State, don't think they have the pitching. Um, I think South Al is about as solid as a team on the east side. I think Georgia Southern is the best overall team. But as far as people getting hot, I agree with Colin about uh, Troy. I think that they're capable and they've, they've underwhelmed. They've, they've played um, uh, below what they can. It's similar to the Cajuns, honestly. Um, I, not being a homer, just looking at it objectively i still think the cajuns have the highest upside going into the tournament uh not you know of any team not named georgia southern or south Al. so i i you know i don't even know really how pivotal these last other than seeding obviously i don't know how much these last conference series uh really all that concern me uh, i want to see us play well obviously but i just really think that my eyes are on the tournament at this point and it all comes down to pitching you guys know that what what makes these, uh, in my opinion, what makes these last three weeks, what would make it interesting is if somebody was being left out of the tournament, you sure. know, like uh, on a normal year and, you know, you're playing for something. I think you are still playing for something because the top seeds definitely have an advantage. One and two definitely has an advantage and you want to be there. You both brought up Troy, which I find very interesting because it, it, it was one of the teams I was going to mention. But they're at Coastal Carolina. They're going to host Arkansas State, and they'll finish the, the season with us. They've got a tough road, which can do one of two things, in my opinion, get them battle ready for, for the conference tournament, or it just might crush their hopes when they go into the tournament. So thoughts there? on I mean, you guys both brought up Troy. No, I mean, I think, yeah, normally you would be – the last three weeks would be trying to see who makes the conference tournament, but – I think especially for the Western side, it's a battle of who's going to get those top two spots. Like we talked about, I think UT Arlington's going to fall a little bit. And so I don't know that they've necessarily locked up that number one seed, got a little bit of a lead now, but with Little Rock, Texas State, and you guys down in Louisiana, all battling for that second spot. I think that's huge, especially like we talked about earlier, how the top two seeds in each division have pretty much a much easier path than anybody else in the conference being kind of the leaders of each of those pools. And that's part of what we're hoping for Georgia Southern this weekend, have the opportunity to try to lock in one of those top two seeds. And then it's have the chips fall where they do. Well, yeah, uh, I, I, I could probably have explained myself better. I don't necessarily think these last few weeks are throwaways by any stretch. I, I guess my Larger point is that I'm not going to be totally devastated if we don't go in and win both series because of how congested the middle of the West is. I'm not really too scared of anybody on the West side. I do understand that, you know, the way the pool play shapes up, it's going to be a huge advantage to be a one or two seed. But Craig, it's like you pointed out in the last episode, even the four seed in the West plays Tuesday and then not again until Thursday. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the things. If you are the number one uh, four seed, you don't want to be the, the third seed because then Correct. you're playing 
Thursday, Friday, and if you advance, you're Saturday and Sunday. But Correct. the four seed, to me, has a huge advantage. They play the first day. They have a day off. They play the third day. Then they have the Friday off before uh, before the uh, the bracket play starts. So right. you're going every other day. So I, to me, that's an advantage, but you have to win your games, obviously. You can't go one sure. and one. But Sure. And that, that that's more of where I was headed with that comment. Um, I'm more interested to see what happens on the east side. I, I really kind of want to see if Troy is going to start to separate, if South Al is going to recover, if Georgia Southern is going to keep on, you know, keeping on. So I think there's a lot more interest on the other side than there are there is in the West. In the West, for us, it's really about cleaning house for for our program. It, to me, it's what it all comes down to. If we can figure it out, what whatever it is that this taboo shit we have over the program is, when we get that figured out, I think that we are a danger. Um, uh, you know, that's just my that's my honestly got opinion. Well, you, you know, talking about that, I think for the next uh, the next three weeks, I think we're all going to be huge coastal fans, you know, uh, just because, uh, I mean, they play Troy, they play South Alabama on your side of the bracket column, which, which, which helps you either way it goes there, if they can take two out of three. Uh, and then we're going to play Troy later on. And like I said, I, I hate to say it, but you know, they, they play coastal, they go to coastal Carolina and they play Arkansas state. Who's dangerous right now. Hopefully let's cut their, let's crush their dreams and drop them drop them before they hit Louisiana the last weekend of the season. And then Coastal Carolina plays Texas State, who obviously we're in a battle with right now for, for those top two spots. So I, I think both programs should be pulling for Coastal the next three weeks. So on that Coastal note, you know, before we get into bashing them, I want to say two things. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so appropriate if those bastards got it together just in time for tournament play? That would just be perfect coastal timing. And then number two, I really want to give all of the institutions in the Sun Belt a pat on the back for coming together as one to just despise Coastal Carolina, or as <laughs> I like to call them, COVID Carolina. You know, we've done such a great job of, you know, just pulling together and hating those sons of bitches. I, I agree. Uh, and you know, I think we've done a very good job. I, I, I think pretty much everybody, especially when it comes to basketball, hates Georgia State, whether Ron Hunter is there or not. Yeah, I'm with it. And uh, there are a lot of times that I'm, I use the hashtag Southern, not state, so I, which I really enjoy using. So That's fantastic. Uh, and, and I'm glad that I did not, over, this, over the last hour and a half or two hours, whatever it's been, that I did not mix up your two schools because there's nothing worse than that. Uh, the only thing worse than that is being called Lafayette, which we are not. Uh, but uh, and 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 just enjoyed everything. So, any any last comments about the schedule before we kind of wrap things up? All right, we're all good here. I'm I I it, as much as I don't like the pool play, it is what we have this year. And it's going to be exciting to watch the movement over the next couple of weekends and see where we go. So uh, last thing on the tournament, uh, Colin, have you and Danny talked about when you're going to be heading to Montgomery yet? Are you waiting to see when the Eagles play? Danny and I have usually made it a week-long thing. I know when we came down to Louisiana, we got there what seemed like about a week early, um, and it wasn't enough. But I think we'll probably head over either Monday or Tuesday morning Go ahead and get settled in, and we'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll be over at Riverwalk Stadium, even if Georgia Southern's not playing that first day. 
Good deal. I, I, it's always a good time. And to me, like I said, I, th- I, I enjoy watching baseball. So uh, hopefully this is a, is a, a good weekend for both teams and hopefully we can, we can meet up in the uh, conference championship and uh, hopefully we can crush your faces. No, <laughs> you guys have a better shot at an at large bid. Just go out and continue to win and, and let everybody else do their thing. So um, closing comments, Josh. Uh, I love the episode. When, when is the, uh, what was first pitch date for the conference tournament? Did you mention I'm, that? I'm sorry. It's Tuesday. 9 a.m. is the first game. And that is the date of? Uh, Tuesday, May 25th. Tuesday, May 25th. Okay, good deal. I don't know how many people are looking ahead, so I just kind of wanted to put that in the back of people's minds. Be planning for it. It'd be fun to have a good contingent out there because I'm, I'm excited. Uh, it's be fun. I'm excited, too. I mean, the, the, the thing that is good and bad is uh, we've got some teams able to play out a conference and, and, and boost some things, but there, there's so many buys this weekend, or I shouldn't say buys, non-conference games, it's not going to really move the conference around that much, but I may have to play with that before our, our the next newsletter and see who, uh, see who does what. So it, it's fun, exciting. Uh, I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm ready to have a bourbon with my, my buddies and, uh, see everybody again. Hopefully we can get, uh, Josh Sowers there again. That kind of showed up last minute uh, at Coastal and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we got to get Josh to run three miles to our hotel and through not so very nice neighborhoods. No, and that's what I mean. You think you're in Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina, but I'm not sure what this was. So, but that Josh will have to tell you that story one night about Josh Sowers. So he brought a whole new meaning to the Grand Strand. All I can (laughs) tell you is I don't know what time Colin went to bed, but I think. Uh, I don't remember what time I went to bed. We stayed up all night and uh, had a very good evening. And the fun, the drive back to Louisiana was probably the worst drive I have ever <laughs> had in my life. Uh, and I have probably done close to 250,000 driving miles, maybe even closer to 500,000 driving miles around the United States. And that drive from Myrtle Beach to uh, Louisiana was the worst drive of my entire life. So, but I had a great final night in Myrtle Beach. I will say that it was fun. And I found lots of pictures on my phone the next day of selfies with, with, <laughs> with Colin and Josh. And I don't know, I think some of our baseball players that came in, it was, oh my gosh, it was interesting to say you the see, least. You have to do an offshoot of the podcast, and that is the episode. You got to tell those stories. See, I would pay for that. Okay, oh, that's that's that is definitely uh, one that we'll have to look at with probably <laughs> an explicit warning of even <laughs> that even, one goes behind the paywall. Yeah, even Danny and uh, and Collins' uh, time here at the last tournament that we hosted. Uh, I mean, we drank some. Uh, We've drank some George Stag. We uh, we drank, I believe, we drank some twenty three year old Pappy Van Winkle. We did, and some maybe some ten year old and twelve year old. I think I I had in the in the case. I don't know if we drank all three of them, but I remember the twenty three and the uh, what is the other one called? Oh, I should know it. Weller. 
William LaRue Weller, which is part of the antique collection for Buffalo Trace. But that's for another episode. Uh, Colin, anything you'd like to say? I would, uh, closing things up. Really appreciate you guys having me on. Always love talking baseball with you guys and can't wait till we get to, uh, till we get to Montgomery and get to do it in person. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll have you back on. We'll, we'll chat more about maybe in two weeks. We got Danny on and you're more than welcome to join Danny. Uh, I don't want to step on Danny's toes any because uh, Danny's a fun guy to talk to. Also, I'm debating whether to bring Jay on when da- Danny is on or not. But I, I think Josh and us have enough uh, can have enough conversation with Danny to to enjoy it. So, Josh, anything else? I, I've been babbling too long I'm, I'm getting my strength back from my my stint in the hospital so i'm good to go i appreciate colin coming and talking to us man i really appreciate that uh i think it'll be fun in montgomery regardless if we win or not but we yeah. gotta win we're gonna we win. gotta win i was gonna say it's always funner when you win so <laughs> colin thank you again we'll have you back on and then as we talked off air we'll have you back on uh if you want to do a weekly thing with us we want to do a weekly mlb thing once college baseball is over with and even uh and even have you back on uh once tournament play starts we can talk we can that's what we need to do we need to do our opinion of kind of breaking down the ncaa tournament there and what we see and we can trash some teams that we love to trash that are not or if they're in the sunbelt conference it doesn't matter one team that i will always go up against is going to be tennessee we'll get into that in a later one oh sweet i love it I love I hate it. Tennessee I love also. It. Yes. I mean, you know, I'm not going to go there right now because we're going to end up talking <laughs> 15 more minutes. But thank you, everyone. Thank you if you've made it this far and listened. listened. Uh, if you're a Georgia Southern fan, go out and see your Eagles and support them. If you're a Cajun fan, hope to see you at the ballpark this weekend. $5 tickets. No reason not to support this team. Uh, support the team. Support the RCAF. Support the businesses that support the Cajuns. Support the businesses that support the Eagles. It's good for both universities. And uh, everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week when we uh, with Jay Walker on Monday night. We've got uh, Colin. Uh, we have Colin Lacey today. Thank you, Colin. Sorry. We've got Danny Reed next week. And we also have Josh Sowers, the voice of the UTA Mavs, that are going to discuss the uh, weekend series between the Mavs and the Cajuns. So. Everybody have a great weekend. See you at the ballpark. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.